Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast for the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I am Tim Robertson, your host of this podcast, and also the coordinator of the training program within the organization. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers is an international organization devoted to the study of the sun, the moon, the planets, asteroids, meteors, and comets. Our goals are to stimulate, coordinate, and generally promote the study of these bodies using methods and instruments that are available to the communities of both amateur and professional astronomers. The Association of Lunar Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar Planetary Observers also lovingly known as the Australian Astronomer. The Association of Lunar Planetary Observers maintains many individual observing sections and pro- programs devoted to the studies of the solar system bodies and phenomenon. Each is managed by one or more coordinators that collect and study submitted observations. You can visit us on the internet at www.alpo-astronomy.com. Org. That again, www.alpo-astronomy.org. Now, on to the Observer's Notebook. Alright, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook. Our guest today is Bob Lunsford. He's the coordinator of the ALPO Meteor Section. Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Thank you, Tim. Hey, Bob, why don't, why don't you give everybody a little uh, background about yourself before we get started uh, here? Sure. I'm uh, 63 years old. I live in the San Diego area. I've been here most of my life. And since 1988, I've been in the newspaper uh, business uh, circulation part, so I get to get up early and uh, go to the warehouse and make sure all everything shows up and gets out on time. So I'm an early bird, and it uh, comes in handy when I'm viewing the stars, too. Uh, can, can you stay up late? <laughs> oh, sure. Well, yeah. You know, i got to be at work at midnight, so uh, ah. I, tend to sleep, I tend to sleep in shifts, uh, kind of a early shift, maybe uh, 8 a.m. to noon, and then another couple hours right before I go to work. So, uh, But uh, on, my, on my nights off, it's no problem staying awake in the middle of the night, so it comes in handy. Oh, well, there you go. How would you get involved with the LPO? Well... You know, I've always been interested in the planets and everything, and I sent in a few observations, and I found out they had a meteor section. So uh, I started contributing to that, and lo and behold, the uh, coordinator uh, position came open, and uh, by gosh, they took took me in. So I've been here ever since. How long, is, to, how long has that been? That's been since about 1989, I believe. So, oh, wow. Coming up on thirty years, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been the training program coordinator for just just about as long too. I can't find anybody else to take the job. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. So, do you do any other type of observing in the ALPR? Or are you just focused on the meteor section? No, I uh, I love uh, 
viewing the planets and uh, taking videos of them and processing them and sharing uh, Mars and Jupiter and Saturn, kind of trying the uh, the outer planets, but haven't had too much luck with them yet. Yeah, what type so, of observing equipment do you have? Well, I have three telescopes. Uh, I have a six-inch refractor, and that's getting a little too big for me to use these days. Yeah. What make and is that? That is actually one I put together back in 1973. Oh, my. The, uh, the lens is an old A. Jager's lens. Uh-huh. Which I bought back at that time for $199. F fifteen, you believe that? Oh my goodness. I believe that thing goes for well over a thousand now. Uh, and easily. the other the other parts I just scraped up from here and there, little little mountain Edmonds and uh, you know, a local aluminum tube and uh, it it I got some great views of that telescope, believe me. Uh hmm. I Back when I first started, the great red spot was really red back then. Yeah, I remember those days. It was something to see. Um, besides that one, I right around the time Halley uh, came around, I picked up a 16-inch neat deep sky. So I went from a from a planetary scope to a deep sky scope, mm-hmm. and uh, even lugged that out to the hills a few times. And now in my old age, I've got something a little bit smaller. I got a, uh, a Celestron 9 and a quarter inch. Okay. Uh, go-to scope. I'm getting too lazy to star hop. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> we know how to do that. We don't need to do it anymore. We have technology. Yeah, very, very true. So yeah. I, I value my time. I'm out under dark sky. and I, You know, sky star hopping takes a long time to do. Yeah, so, it does. So it's a lot easier just put push in an NGC number zip right to it. So. Right, right. So, so give us a little, give us a little uh, outline of the meteor section. Well, sure. Um, right now, we're mainly a visual. We have a few people with uh, all-sky cameras that try to get uh, fireballs and stuff, but it's, it's mainly visual. Uh, people will uh, go out, um, you know, even on nights when there's no showers and try to see what kind of activity is going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, most, almost 90% of the activity is when major showers are occurring. So, uh, but we uh, we try to tell people that uh, you know there is a usefulness in actually looking at the meteors and uh, timing them and trying to associate them with, with different showers. You know, a lot of a lot of folks watch meteor showers, right. but most of them don't know that uh, you know they can to scientific knowledge by categorizing these. So what, what do you mean what, by categorizing? Uh, well, there's different showers uh, active uh, each night. So uh, we try to try to uh, let people know which ones are uh, are active at, at each time and have them go out and, and try to look for, let's say, the Delta Curian meteors versus the Perseids versus just random ones and try to categorize them in, in, in the free shower. What kinds of observations are they making in this? You say visual. Well, you say visual. Are they drawing the meteor? Are they plotting it on a star chart? What are they? What are they actually doing? We have some plotters, but the only problem with that is it takes your eyes off the sky for you know a few minutes at a time. Therefore, you're liable to miss some activity. Okay. So what we really encourage is. Uh, 
just keep yourself a cassette tape or have a have a clipboard where you can keep your eyes in the sky. And uh, basically, just get comfortable and lie back there and uh, tell us what you see. Oh, so it's just kicking back in your uh, lounge chair and uh, watching the meteors all night. Right. You don't need really any optical equipment because that limits your field of view. What you want to do is have as wide a field of view as possible uh, so, you, so you can see meteors shooting in all directions. Mm-hmm. Now, are you involved with the American Meteor Society? Yes, I am. Okay. I, th- I think I was a member of them back in the 70s, too. It's, I, rem- I enjoyed that. I rem- but I was one of those guys that had a chart out there that wanted to draw it on, you know, where the <laughs> meteors were coming from. Interesting. So what, what do you do with them? The, what, the, the, what chart? No, what do you well, do with the American Meteor Society? Oh, oh, gosh. I think I've had every job title uh, <laughs> that's been available. Um, right now, I'm the editor of their uh, quarterly journal, Meteor Trails. And I'm also the uh, fireball report coordinator. Oh, okay. and that keeps me busy every day because uh, I think in 2016 we averaged 62 reports a day. 62 reports of fireballs. Yes, we ended up with many thousands of reports. Oh my goodness! <laughs> now a lot of these are the same fireballs. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Wow, but, that's uh, amazing. Uh, what, what it entails is, is uh, looking at each report and determining whether it's an individual uh, fireball or if it's one related to another. And I have the choice to group it with one or another. And as I do this, it creates a map of where all these uh, observations are from. So uh, that kind of, kind of tells us. And if you get enough observations, you can uh, get a trajectory and find out where... Uh, you know, fragments of this could possibly land. Uh, have you have you uh, found any of the fragments or been a part of any of the finds of the fragments of the meteors that have been observed? I haven't personally, but but uh, through all these hours I've donated, we've actually tracked down two uh, two falls one one in Northern California and one in one in Florida. Hmm. So yep, it's well worth it. Uh, now, in reference to the ALPO, how many contributors do you currently have in the meteor section? We have about a dozen active ones, and uh, you know it's 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 kind of a a field where where folks will uh, come and go quite a bit. Um, we have a, probably six that have been with us for a long time, and we get a lot of people from the, the uh, astronomical league, you know, trying to fill out their meteor certificate. That's right. They have the whole certificate program for meteor observing. Right, right. So we get a lot of those, and we try to keep them to, to stick, but uh, yeah, eventually they, they tend to fall off. Mm-hmm. You know, you try to cope the interest and everything. But uh, but we have, we have uh, you know, year to year it averages about 12, but what we have we have half a dozen that stick with us year to year, and we, we can rely on for good observations. Now, where are the observations and the reports published? Are they just in the journal, or do you have something separate that you... I have a newsletter that I publish on a quarterly basis, and what we mainly save for the journal are big items like observations of the Perseids or the Geminids or, you know, a, a fireball fall or some other importance. So, uh, but, um, yeah, we do have, have the, uh, the quarterly newsletter, which, which we send out. And um, you email that out, or, or is that available online? 
That is actually uh, snail mail. Snail <laughs> out. We're kind of in the 20th century there. Okay. Um, believe it or not, a lot of our people still uh, mail me <laughs> uh, observations, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the way they prefer to get the journal. So, you know, okay. no problem. No, as long as they supply me with, with stamps. I got no problem. That's with it. <laughs> how I feel about the training program too. Just send me a self-addressed staff envelope, and you'll hear from me all day long. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So the newsletter. So anybody can just contact you and find out about it. Oh sure. sure. Okay. Now, what do you uh, see for the future of the uh, meteor section? Do you have plans well, to expand? Or? You know, um, I'd like to get some people into video because uh, video cameras do not fall asleep. <laughs> and, you know, and they can view during the full moon, and uh, you can get a ton of data uh, with, with video cameras. Yeah, I know the last meteor shower I watched, I was drinking wine at the time, and it wasn't very scientific. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I have note to myself, don't do that while observing meteors. <laughs> <laughs> you might see a lot more. You, you might see a lot. Yeah, yeah I see a lot but, more faint fuzzies probably after yeah, a while. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but going back to video cameras, they have the capability now. They have software that can determine which shower these, uh, each one that appears through the field of view, and can be just like a person out there in the field. There's software yeah. that does that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. What, what's the name of that software? Uh, actually, it's called Metrec. And it's produced by Circle Molal, the International Media Organization. Okay. I'll look that up, and I'll put a link to it in our show notes. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Uh, okay. He's got quite a uh, collection of folks all around the world that uh, collect data and send it in on a monthly basis. And uh, I was one of them for a while. I was active for about five years and ended up recording 26,000 meteors. Oh, my goodness. And uh, the only problem with my system, it was an intensified system. Which needed, I need to manually go out there and shut it off, or the uh, intensifier would burn up in the daytime. Oh. So uh, it worked well when I worked only four miles away. You know, I, I could take a break and run mm-hmm. home and shut it off on the nights I worked. But unfortunately, I work about 20 miles away now, so I've had to put that on hold. But I do look to re- uh, resurrect that when, once I retire in a few years here. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So, any other information you'd like to share about the meteor section? Uh, you know, we're always looking for more folks. Uh, like I said, it, it's very easy to do. Uh, and, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's like having the 4th of July every night. <laughs> what's the, what's the, if you had the, the, the perfect meteor shower, what, what is the one that really stands out in your memory? Well... I would say it would be a 2001 Leonid meteor shower. Um, that was one where we passed through one of the filaments of, of uh, Comet Temple Tuttle. And uh, I was so saturated with recording meteors, I actually quit before it got totally light mm. because I was just brain drained by recording all these magnitudes and times and everything. And... I just sat back and watched the last half hour of it and just enjoyed all these meteors shooting every five to ten seconds. I do believe I saw that one as well, and I was on top of a mountain, real dark sky, and I was just leaning back in a chair, and I've, I, it was really amazing. That was an amazing, amazing shower. Uh, there was one, one time near the peak, we had seven uh, simultaneous meteors, and it looked like uh, the spoke of a wheel. They all came out of radiant at once. And it was just fantastic. 
But you know, trying to get accurate me- uh, magnitudes for all those <laughs> all those meteors, your your brain kind of gets fried after the first thousand. <laughs> now, when you say the magnitude, I mean the magnitude varies as the meteor is entering the atmosphere. So it's uh, true. What you try to record the, the peak uh, the magnitude peak. Okay. Of, of of each each. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, folks can just record uh, leanage versus non-leanage, but you know, you try to give as much data as possible. So old timers like me try to give the not only the time, but the magnitude. Sometimes even the duration, the length, the distance from the radiant. There's all kinds of parameters. The color, <laughs> and uh, you know, it all depends how slow it is. If, it's, if you're watching on a February night. You can get all those no problem. Because you're only going to see about five meters an hour. But during the peak of the leanest, you're going to be pretty busy. <laughs> How often do you go out and look from look at meteor showers, or just any other night? You know what? Lately, it's been just during the peak showers. There's about there's about six really good ones during the year, and I try to make those. Um, what What are those? Okay, those are the quadrants in January, which on the morning of January 3rd, uh, the Lyrids on uh, the morning of April 22nd, the Ada Aquarids, uh, which peak right around uh, May 7th. They're active for a solid week centered on that date. Uh, the other good ones are the Delta Aquarids, which peaked the last week of July, and the big one for the Northern Hemisphere, the Perseids, which peaked on the morning of uh, August 12th. Uh, during nice warm weather, everybody appreciates that. Uh, the fall season is the best time to watch meteors. Not only do you have good, strong showers, but the sporadic activity is the strongest. Uh, the Orionis peak on the night of October 21st, 22nd, and you still still have Leonids on the morning of November 18th. Unfortunately, the comets now at far point from uh, from the uh, sun. And rates are now only 10 to 15 an hour at best. So it's certainly not uh, meteor storms like it used to be. And December, you have two. Uh, my favorite one of the year is the Geminids. Peak uh, on either December 13th or 14th, depending on the year. And they're guaranteed to put on a good show, even from the city. Uh, even right downtown San Diego, I can see uh, 30 an hour. You drive 50 miles east where it's dark, and you can double and triple that uh, count. That's amazing. A hundred, yeah. I've seen more Geminids in it. It's a great shower. It's really entertaining year after year. And even during the full moon, not even the full moon can, can blot them out. Uh, you know, just, just face away from the moon, and you're guaranteed to see at least uh, 30 an hour. And lastly, we have an obscure shower at peak right for Christmas known as the Ursus. Um, the Ursus are kind of kind of crazy. I've been out and I've seen naturally nothing, and there's been other times I've seen 25 an hour. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're, they're kind of a toss-up. But like I said, being right before Christmas, it's cold. A lot of people are are busy at that time of year too. Right. So uh, they kind of get ignored. So you could pretty much find a meteor shower almost every month to go out and observe. That's definitely true. And uh, folks in the southern uh, hemisphere, actually, they're not they're not in luck for meteor showers. The, the Perseids and the Quadranids and a couple other ones have very high north of declination, and they're they're not vi- really visible 
from places like Australia and South Africa. So major meteor showers are mainly a northern hemisphere phenomena. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Um, southern hemisphere is a great place to watch the planets because we got, we got Mars coming up in uh, 2018. It's going to be low in the south. Right. Uh, I'd love to be in Chile at that time, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not going to be seeing any Perseids in Chile. So. That's true. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, how can everyone get a hold of you? Well, probably the easiest thing is by uh, email. My email address is lunro.imo.usa at cox.net. Okay. And uh, send me that. I'm guaranteed to get back to you. Okay. Are you on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that as well? Uh, you know what? Um, haven't really had a chance to join those yet. So, uh, okay. you know, I'm still a little lagging on some of my skills over there. So yeah, I'm, email, I'm, seeing, email. I'm seeing that as a trend in the ALPO coordinators. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think it has to do with we're all the same age. <laughs> very true. And, uh, hey, I'm proud of myself. I just graduated with a smartphone. Oh, so, there you go. Uh, learning how to use that, it's kind of great to have a computer at your fingertips there. So, yeah. but you know, one I'm taking baby steps. I'm 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 trying to escape from the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you very much, Bob, for joining us on the Observer's Notebook. I'm glad to share my thoughts with. All right, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. I really want to thank our guest today, uh, Bob Lunsford, for coming on and giving us a nice talk about the meteor section. A reminder, we upload new episodes of The Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud. The link is in the show notes. You can also support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. The link for that as well is in the is, is in the show notes. Speaking of Patreon, I'd also like to thank our first two Patreon contributors, Jerry Inman, uh, Jason Inman and Jerry White. Interesting enough, neither are members of the ALPO. They just heard I was doing a podcast and wanted to help out, so thank you. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at timrobertson56. A reminder, the ALPO is an international organization devoted to the study of the sun, the moon, the planets, asteroids, meteors, and comets. Our goals are to stimulate, coordinate, and generally promote the study of these bodies using methods and instruments that are available within the communities of both amateur and professional astronomers. Until next time, my hope is that you always have clear and steady skies. Thank you for listening.